It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests, and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. My guest this week is Natalie Flores, founder of Nourish LA. She's been a very active gardener with several organizations, including Safe Place for Youth, Sunshine Partnerships, and Kiss the Ground. She was also the garden manager at the Student Learning Garden at Santa Monica College. Welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Thanks for having me, Christy. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I, we know each other through SMC in the Learning Garden, and it feels like our paths cross every which way. And you're involved in just about everything these days. So I have to ask, how did you get started in gardening? Well, I literally had the seed planted in my heart by a former good uh, friend of mine, and we started growing our own food just to have healthy greens and things like that. I lived in San Diego for a little bit of time and we had chickens and grew a lot of our own uh, medicinal plants such as mint and oregano and thyme. And he really helped plant the seed in my heart. Uh, and as soon as I made my way back to Los Angeles, I m met a good friend of mine named Matt Von Deepen at the farmer's market. And he introduced me to Transition Mar Vista which was an organization to help folks uh, reduce their carbon footprint by doing very simple things. But one of those things was called a good karma gardens where we would show up at someone's home that we didn't know and rip out their front lawn and plant food. And it just seemed, it seemed so simple, but I had never done anything like that. And I wanted to be involved. So I showed up and I fell in love with the whole concept from you know, the physical, I, the physical aspect of actually doing that intense labor and also the community aspect of just getting to know your neighbors, getting to grow food, being out in the sunshine, uh, working together to accomplish a simple task like planting a garden, which would be very difficult if it was just yourself, but with the community and the helping hands of many, you know, it, you can get that done much faster. But I was also learning you know, the hands-on learning was um, incredible and so key to the way that I learn. And I just fell in love with that whole idea. And I was meeting my neighbors and I hadn't really done that. It felt really good to step outside of my comfort zone and to do something completely different. And um, from that day on, I, I said, I'm going to keep doing this till I die and I'm going to keep learning. And uh, I embarked on, I did some woofing for a little while because I wanted to learn even more about horticulture and growing food and learning about some of the beloved foods uh, that Americans consume. So I just kind of didn't stop. And woofing, for those who aren't familiar, is it has, it's an acronym for what a number of people call a number of different things, but work on organic farms or worldwide organic mm -hmm. farm, something, you know, that kind of thing. I will put a link to it in the, in the blog post that accompanies this podcast so people can do that. Because you can go work on a farm all over the world yep. really in exchange for free room and board. And it's, yep. uh, it's a chance to get literally you know, your hands in the dirt and uh, experience under your belt. It's a very cool experience. Where did you woof? I first went to Costa Rica and then I went to Ecuador. Wow. And then I made my way to Peru and then I went back to Ecuador. Because uh, I loved, I loved Ecuador so much. Um, I was working at a coffee shop at the time when I joined the Transition Marvista movement, and I loved coffee. I loved everything about it, from the smell, the flavor. I loved 
how coffee brings a sense of community together, that whole idea of community. And I was like, how does this stuff grow? Why is it so magical? Who grows it? And um, I wanted to fi- I wanted to learn about that. So I went and worked on a coffee farm in Ecuador and I'd never had coffee like, you know, handpicked where I pick the cherries and we dry them out in the sunshine and roast them and then grind them with a hand grinder and put it in a coffee sock. It was just absolutely mind blowing to see it start to finish. And I fell in love with the people that grow those foods. Um, They had a sense of just beautiful, hard work ethic, but also really humble hearts, like really kind, really humble. The, you know, would open their doors up to strangers and invite them in and feed them and house them. I just thought that it was really incredible. And I wanted to be like that. I, 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 I said, is this possible in the city of angels to bring that, you know, that mentality to a city that's just go, go, go. And these people are growing and growing and growing, but they really have the right mindset as far as humility and serving people with love and kindness and, um, growing things with integrity. It was just, um, a very eye-opening experience. That is cool. I have one friend who is growing coffee here in Los Angeles. And I'm, are you, do you have any plants anywhere? No, I did. I didn't think it was possible to grow coffee here. I mean, I do have a couple friends. I have a few plants, Yeah, I, not enough to grow, to like provide the amount of coffee that I like to consume right. on a weekly basis. Yeah. It's like a, it's, well, it's, I equate it to how it is when I grow wheat for making bread. It's not enough, but it's enough to know how it's grown and to experience the, the pleasure of growing wheat yourself. And from, from bean to bar, as they say in the chocolate world is like getting it from the very beginning, planting it, growing it through harvesting it, milling it, eating it, you know, (laughs) making it into something. So that's, I think my friend gets maybe a cup of coffee out of it, but it's still young. The plant is still young. So maybe anyway, it's kind of cool. You can do that. Okay. So you've been gardening all over the world, which is kind of cool. Where are you gardening now? And what does your space look like for our listeners? Oh my goodness. I'm gardening everywhere and anywhere. Um, besides having multiple private clients all over Los Angeles, mostly on the West side. Um, I do have a garden in my yard. I just moved to a guest house in Culver city. Um, and it's my friend's guest house. So they let me plant things before we even moved in, which was wonderful. Um, they have some keyhole pots for us and, um, I planted lettuce, cilantro. One of them is my herb spiral. I call it. Uh, in the center, there is a lemon tree. And then around that lemon tree, I've managed to fit about 10 different things, most of which are herbs. I do have some lettuces around and a zucchini starting to sprout from a from compost. You know That's how that funny. happens. And a bunch of tomatoes came up because I buried my tomatoes, which I'm not complaining. And one of my other plots is just filled with wildflowers. I am obsessed with flowers. I think flowers uh, are so necessary in a garden. So right now I have tons of marigolds and cosmos and these beautiful Peruvian flowers that my friend Azita gave me some seeds of. And it's just, that's my flower garden. I love fresh picked flowers. And I love the bees and all the beneficial um, insects that those bring in. So one of them's my, I just have a little flower garden and my little herb spiral, which is beautiful because, um, you know, we're getting so much food from our food drives that I, I, I don't want anything to go to waste right now. So I'm only growing what I need, what my family needs. And mostly we need herbs. 
because we cook every single day. Yeah, and herbs make such a huge difference when they're fresh from the garden. It's such a difference over the dried stuff. Oh my gosh, pesto every week. Yeah, you know, I'm going to ask you because I am finding, you know, a lot of people are having trouble with basil this year and in previous years because of that downy mildew, the basil mildew that's attacking everything. And I know all of my plants at my plot in my community garden just went down because of it. How are you, if you are combating it, how are you dealing with that? I have started growing my basil in pots. I noticed that it doesn't do very well in my keyhole plots. So I've been putting it in pots and I put it with uh, other types of basil. So my Geneva basil is also growing with um, lemon basil and Thai basil. And it seems like the synergy of all three of them growing together are just so happy. I think because the Thai basil adds some more flowers and it, I don't know, I have no idea, but it seems like it's worth the more different, the diversity actually helps, uh, keep bugs at bay. And I don't have any problem with powdery mildew, but I am growing in pots because I did notice that when I wasn't growing in pots, they were not very happy. Okay. Good to know. Let's talk about Nourish LA. It's completely taken off in this dire time of need. Tell us about that and how it got started. Well, Nourish LA was founded during um, COVID um, in the alley of my backyard when I was living in Mar Vista just a month and a half ago or two months ago. Um, and Nourish LA happened because I was angry, basically. I was angry that I was being told I have to stay inside and I can't go out into the world and do what I normally do, which is engage my community. And, um, I had to really sit with my anger and figure out how I was going to transmute it because as we all know, anger, you know, that dwells within us isn't healthy. So I came up with an amazing idea by the, by the grace of God, basically, I met, um, a woman who was dropping off a bunch of compost at our compost hub. One of the gardens I was managing at the time, our spy garden in Venice, and she was dropping off such a large amount of compost that my coworker said, Hey, where's all this food coming from? And I'm really glad she asked her because this woman was a part of another group called Food Cycle Los Angeles. And they were basically mitigating food waste from every major grocery store. Oh, and wow. They go to uh, grocery stores and bakeries and they say, Hey, don't throw that food away. Give it to us and we'll give it to folks in need. And I got on the phone and I called these women right away. And I said, Hey, is there any way that you can entrust me to get a haul of this food so I can pass out to people I know that are struggling right now? And they said, well, if you're up for the challenge, like it's a lot of food, a lot of it's perishable. Sometimes you have to clean it up a little bit. You know, there could be a damaged apple in a bag or a broken egg in a dozen pack. I, I knew that food waste was a huge issue, but I did not realize how just how much food was getting thrown away on a daily basis from our local grocery stores. I'm part of the LA Mommies groups. I'm a mom. And I was seeing women literally asking other women, I need, a, can someone please send me a pizza? I have no food for my family right mm -hmm. now. Um, my husband is unemployed. I, I'm, I've been a you know, stay-at-home mom. Just horror stories. And I think that it's just horrible for people to have to do that when we know that there's food all around us. And I, I put my anger towards cultivating this um, just simply by reaching out to my neighbors. I was living in an amazing community of uh, it's apartment buildings, but we we're all 
you know, neighbors and we all loved each other and we all wanted to help each other. And I just reached out to them and I said, Hey, you guys, I'm going to do a food drive in our alley next week. Can you guys all save your paper bags for me and donate whatever dry goods you may have? And they're like, sure, you need any help, blah, 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 blah. And because it was the beginning of COVID and, you know, people were still scared, I just enlisted the help of two of our really incredible uh, volunteers from Safe Place for Youth that I actually met that live a couple blocks away from me. And I said, will you guys help me, you know, package groceries for our neighbors? And they hopped on the opportunity right away. And it was like a no brainer. Um, in the first hour, we were able to feed 50 to 65 families and we crowded our entire alley. It was just jam packed in moments. It was insane. As soon as I put a flyer up the night before I was getting hit up by hundreds of messages and people texting me and saying, we have no food. We do not know how we're going to make it, but we're so grateful that you're providing some of the, you know, burden of having to go out and figure out how we're going to survive, essentially, you know, how we're going to get our food. And it was kind of a no brainer from then on. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to figure out where else we can get food. I'd been working previously with Santa Monica College, and we had a market called the Corsair Market because one in every three students was food insecure. So we started doing a free farmer's market. I had already known all about the, you know, um, food, local food drives that happen and all these other people, food forward. And I said, let me just tap into my old network. Let me just see what will happen. And I looked at Mary and Michael Fitz, our volunteers at the time and said, hey, I think we're going to need to expand. And, and I reached out to Demetrius, who's uh, my old boss from the Venice Grind. Here comes my coffee shop network again. And I said, hey, like, I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, we're doing this food drive-by and we could really use a bigger space and refrigeration and a parking lot. And he's like, I just had to lay off 75 my, of my own employees. Let's do it. So he instantly, you know, gravitated toward the idea and he had food sitting in his refrigerator that was going to go to waste too. So it was kind of a no brainer. We all said, all right, let's get on board. We got to do this. We got to figure it out. And from then on, we just kept going and we made it a Sunday, like a Sunday ritual. And it felt really good. It felt really good to feed people. It feels really good to prevent food from going to waste. And it feels really good to be able to do something for our community in this insane time right now. And that's how Nourish LA was born. It was just born out of the alley, out of my frustration of not being able to serve uh, my neighbors in the way that I wanted to, uh, but figured I could still bring people together around the subject of food. And yeah. that's basically it. You know, we're on a, we did just did our 22nd week, which is insane, fed over 1,075 people. Two weeks and more than 1,000 people. That is amazing. And I think, the, you know, food waste is a huge issue. It is one of the top contributors to carbon issues in our, on our planet. And as home people at home, we, we throw away 40% of the food that comes into our lives. And that's not even counting the waste that happens from farmer to grocery store and grocery store to consumer. So I'm delighted to hear that you're redirecting food from those locations, not just from people at home, but to people at home from those places where those gaps occur, where food gets thrown away because it doesn't sell. That's amazing. It's really insane. When you see the amount of food coming into a parking lot, you're just kind of blown away, but you're also so excited because you're like, yay, this is not getting thrown away today. People yeah. are going to go home hungry. And the kinds of foods that we're getting, Christy, are amazing. Yeah, they look like top quality 
top shelf produce that should be, you know, should be going to, to good use. Yeah. They're amazing. That's why we called ourselves Nourish LA because we believe that in order to stay healthy, you need to have nourishing whole good foods, um, wholesome foods that actually, you know, heal the body and encourage us to cook and to, you know, gather around the subject of food with our friends and with our families, with our loved ones. So our bags have tons of produce in them, tons of fresh fruits and vegetables. Occasionally you'll get um, a beautiful handmade loaf of bread from Cast Your Bread, which is comprised of bakers from all over Los Angeles baking incredible sourdough bread. Uh, occasionally you'll get some fresh baked cookies or a dessert, um, really good Strauss milk, butter. It's insane. You just... Uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because there's still more people to feed and we run out of food every single week. And I know there's still people, you know, in our neighborhoods that are, that don't have access to this food. And, um, right. It drives me, it drives me every single week. I'm glad. And hopefully this podcast will help reach more people who, who are in need and, you'll end up now. I understand you're just filing for nonprofit status and making this official. Yeah, we have to. Once, uh, you know, word caught on, we had to make this official. There's so many things that can um, come from this that are really good, including more food hubs, uh, jobs, um, more food security, and, you know, better policy around how we treat our food waste and, you know, treat the people around us. So I just think we have to make it, you know, official. That's extraordinary. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that it's actually working out. It sounds like it's, it's really running, almost running itself. It, um, your connections with the community have made it easy. And I, I, I wanted to ask you for other people in other parts of the country who might want to start to do this for their communities, what advice do you have? Partner up with a local restaurant. There is a lot of restaurants not in, not in business right now um, for the same very reason because of COVID and it wouldn't make sense for a restaurant to operate because they're, they would just, you know, be forking over money that they don't have essentially. So I'd say you have that restaurant space, you have a parking lot and you have refrigeration. That is probably the key to creating one of these food hubs. You can also do it like at a church, but you have to make sure that there is refrigeration. Some of the food we get is perishable, like milk and butter and eggs. We have to make sure that we have proper refrigeration to hold those foods. So I would say, ask local restaurants, are you in business? And is there any way that we could do a food drive? And then start going to different grocery stores and different food organizations, whether it be people that help mitigate the food waste system, like uh, Food Cycle LA and uh, Food Forward. There there are different organizations all over America um, doing work like that. Ask them, hey, can I get some of your food? Can I do a little hub in my community? It's really good to partner up with people that are already doing that because they can show you the ropes. I know a lot of the times their organizations want to weigh everything because they want to keep tally of how much things weighs and how much uh, food they're diverting. And then get make a flyer, get a team together, um, get your neighbors involved and say, I only need a few people because, you know, your first week, you'll, you'll learn every single week what things that you need, your do's and don'ts. Obviously, you want to stay healthy. You want to stay safe. So we always ensure that all our volunteers are wearing masks, keeping distance, washing their hands all the time, have hand sanitizers, fresh gloves, all that stuff. So there's, there's that stuff, but you want to 
start the conversation with um, other businesses, maybe restaurants locally, mom and pop shops, bars, even, you know, people are literally sitting on so much food right now and it's, it's going to go bad. It's going to go to waste. A lot of people have potatoes and onions and it's just sitting there. Why not get it to people that really, really need it? You know, while we're in this crazy time, you know, we, we don't really know what's going to happen, but we do know our neighbors are going hungry. So I think let's address people's basic needs. Food is something very simple that brings us all together that we all need every single day. Um, there's no questions asked about that. But just start having the conversations with your local grocers and say, where is the food going? And how can I get access to it? And push, lean on that um, discomfort of people and say, hey, like, we shouldn't be throwing this away. We really need to be getting this food out to feed people that need it. And I think with enough push, people will feel that and say, yeah, we really actually need to be doing something better than what we're doing, you know, which was throwing away perfectly good food. That's great. Yeah. Just start the conversation. Just start somewhere. I'm writing down all of the things that you've mentioned and uh, cast your bread is something that was started with Guy Frankel, who was another guest on this podcast recently and he has an industrial oven. He's able to make hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of loaves. I wish I could contribute because I, ha- I can only make, I have a very small oven and I can make one loaf at a time. And I figure I could probably get four done in time for <laughs> a thing. But people who every week on Perfect Sourdough, which is a Facebook page and on Castor Bread, he, he's directing people to sign up for uh, loaves they can bake, and he's getting to the point where he can actually reimburse you for with flour for bread you want to contribute to this. So that's kind of a cool thing, and that's something I, I mentioned this for people who live elsewhere who want to start doing something in their own community. This is something that can be done. It's really a, a cool thing. So it is tip time. Do you have a favorite tip that you'd like to share with the Garden Nerd audience? One of my favorite things. Um to tell people if they're struggling with bugs or pests is to plant flowers, plant a lot of flowers. I think flowers are some of the most underutilized things in our gardens. And people often wonder why they struggle with so many problems. And I say, plant some wildflowers, plant some flower seeds, sprinkle them around. Um, You'll be so happy when you see the bees and the wasp and the butterflies and the dragonflies coming in and doing the work of many, many people. And um, that's always been one of my favorite things to grow is flowers alongside with my veggies and herbs. But I think that um, a lot of struggling or newbie gardeners just want to grow a bunch of food, but don't realize that we have to work with nature too. Um, Do you have any favorites that you prefer to plant? I love sunflowers. I'm obsessed with sunflowers. I think they're fabulous. There's so many different shades and colors. I love how strong they stand and how they face the light. I love sunflowers. Sunflowers, I love cosmos. Cosmos are really fabulous because they drop lots of seeds. So every year they'll grow on their own. Um, Things that you know, are simple. Uh, I also love marigolds. Marigolds are fabulous. The pinwheel marigolds. So good. So bright and brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. I love, uh, the lemon queen sunflower is one that's part of the great sunflower project that has more pollen and nectar than most sunflowers do. So they recommend growing out for bees. What are the Peruvian flowers that you're growing? 
I have to fa- figure out what the names are. There are these <laughs> Peruvian flowers. They just started, they look like little trumpets, but they just started uh, popping off in my garden. I'll send you a picture shortly because I've never grown them in my life. I literally put three seeds in the ground and now they're going boom. Oh, cool. Yeah. I got it from the seed library. Excellent. So that's another guest we've had on the podcast, the, the uh, founder of the Seed Library of Los Angeles. That's David King. So uh, listeners, you can go back and listen about that. You know, the community gives and keeps on giving, really. The way you connect to a community, Natalie, is important. And, and I feel like that is what keeps our, our whole lives going, really. It's a big keeps deal. Keeps our whole lives growing. Yes. <laughs> That's your motto. Keep our lives growing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that tip, Natalie, and for being a guest on the podcast. Uh, how do people find you? You can find us on Facebook. Um, we're Nourish LA on Facebook, Instagram. We do have a Twitter, though it's not very active because I am not that savvy on Twitter. Um, we will eventually hire someone to do all that stuff. But if you want to volunteer your time to help us set up our Twitter account, we could really use your help. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram are probably the best places to go. Or if you have any questions, you can email us at nourish.losangeles at gmail.com. Great. All right, garden nerds, you'll find links to Nourish LA and all of their social media stuff on gardennerd.com this week. We'll also share a video clip from the recent LA Weekly article that is about as heartwarming as you can get. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at gardennerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff at Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under gardennerd1, on Facebook as gardennerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!